1: Most of the Violet movies are rated R and aren't supposed to be seen unless you're 17 years old. Others are made directly on videotape and bypass the rating system altogether.
2: Welcome to the 324th consecutive week of Cinema Psyops. I'm your host, Court, the guy who is relying very heavily on every hemp extract he can get his hands on to keep himself sane and to not attack every single one of you fuckers out there. And one of the victims of my possible wrath could be my co-host, Matt! This is why I don't leave the house anymore. I just stand home. Yeah, I'm actually like I I really disliked us recording separately, but now I am slow walking the gig that I'm using as an excuse to not get you back into the this- studio
3: yeah i'm I'm just saying man it's it's nice being at home (laughs) here's what's really nice about after the show because i I also love uh doing the show in person but uh the 20 minute uh drive home late at night is is you know (laughs) now now it's just a short walk up to my bed i face planting it and i go to dreamland for a while
2: yeah we almost need to set up a better recording rig at your house other than the snowball yeah. that you bought for your son when he decided he didn't want to be a k- podcaster immediately afterwards that you then usurped yeah, yeah. for your own year
3: pretty much yeah i was like all right well i guess it's mine now <laughs> you quote unquote <laughs> bought it for your son i quote unquote yes i did it's all right he's gotten plenty of other stuff
2: <laughs> no that's that that was the original intention because you were yeah, like, it
3: was, it was for my son uh, a few <laughs> years ago and he just kind of fell out of it. And I was like, all right, well, thank God I still bought it. Cause COVID hit and I had it. So,
2: <laughs> well, we found a way to make it work either way. And there were times when you would hook up the snowball, when we would be recording from home or I would yeah. have you record from home just because it was easier that week or snow days or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I've kind of gotten used to it. I think like maybe now we should just start doing actual video chats so we can actually look at each other and gauge responses. But even then, like I, I don't know. Like that, it's like you said, it's a 20 minute drive from your house to my house. So it's a 40 minute round trip to do the show, which, <laughs> a, which adds to the two hours that yeah. we normally record See, the show.
3: By the time we're done with the show, I'm usually exhausted. I'm sure you are too, that I'm driving home and I'm like, and it's middle, you know, it's like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm just like, fuck, it's just so much easier, you know, get on and done in here. And I just walk upstairs and pop a fistful of melatonin, just so I can knock myself out and not think for, you know, a couple minutes and not have my anxiety just, choked me to death i'm glad melatonin
2: works for you it does not work for me i'm up to about 100 milligrams a night of cbd just to put my ass out for four hours sometimes i have to do 200 like i have to do for four hours in the time to put me out and to keep me out
3: Yeah, I'm having to up my melatonin as well, and uh, the wife keeps telling me that I shouldn't do that, but listen, I need to need that ability to fall asleep, need something to shut my brain off because it doesn't go on its own anymore, and it just keeps going and going, and uh, if it allowed it to, I'd be like one of those kids in Nightmare on Elm Street, and I would be just fucked.
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, I have been combating my own issues with insomnia, and particularly an anxiety driven insomnia where your brain just won't shut off, Um, so I totally feel where you're coming from there, and I'll Freely share it. Yeah, I've. uh, I mean, I don't do it all the time, but there are some nights where I cannot fall asleep, and I'm like probably about 200 milligrams of CBD deep by four in the morning, hoping to get four hours of sleep before I get up the next day.
3: Yeah, I'm. My problem is it put me out. But if I wake up for whatever reason, go to the bathroom, and unless I can fall asleep right away after going to the bathroom, if my brain even kicks in a little bit, it's done. There's been plenty of times I've woken up at like 3:30 three, three in the morning, and then that's just been it. And I've just been up sitting there staring at the ceiling. Wondering where I went wrong. So, uh, <laughs>
2: we're, we're going to have to get you some CBD and see how that treats you. And
3: yeah, I, I, it's I've worked used really CBD. well for me
2: for going to sleep
3: and it's helped me, uh, it's helped me as well. Yeah. I, I, I've, cause I've used like CBD gummies before and stuff like that and Delta eights and all that. And, it, and it's helped. It has that, that stuff definitely also helps. Yeah.
2: Well, the, the Delta eight is like a THC, uh, active stuff that's hemp derived and is legal mm-hmm. pretty much everywhere. It feels yeah. kind of, it feels kind of cool to realize that, um, <laughs> the cannabinoid they found the loophole. Have, have found yet another loophole to get a version of THC, which is somewhat psychoactive that can go to any state. Yeah. Because it, it's hemp it derived it, and the farm to bill let it go.
3: I did it and it I, I took some because I got some at a local place. And uh, yeah, you know, it, I mean, it's not like, like an, an edible edible, but it, it makes you feel a certain way and calms calms me down at least. It calms me down to the point where I can relax and not um,
2: yeah, psycho- like my fucking it, it, mind. Yeah, it's definitely not a psychoactive thing. Listen to us sounding like we're uh, fucking selfish. This stuff, like here, I know, right?
1: Like, I, yeah,
3: I actually literally don't own any stock in it, so you can actually take my just my opinion for what it what it's worth, just a fucking opinion. But I have nothing to gain from you doing it or not doing it.
2: Yeah, basically, what we're getting at here, folks, is that this is just the uh, trials and tribulations of guys trying to make it work when weed's not legal recreationally in their state.
3: Oh yeah, that's that. Now that's the god's honest truth. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean the Delta Eight stuff I've tried it too. I've I've gotten like those oil cars cartridges of it and um you know basically like you said it just it's not very psychoactive for me it's more of just calms me down and keeps me mm-hmm. from being super angry and uh yeah so like I've been telling like I told you I let go of a bunch of rage and stuff and you know uh, I told everybody in the audience that too but I've had more stuff kind of like surface on me and uh, so what's kind of happening is as my brain's like oh you dealt with that here's your next load of shit you're gonna deal <laughs> it.
3: Your, oh good job you dealt with that I'm proud of you and some more <laughs> okay oh, yeah, it's
2: like it's like oh you're at you're at peace you're you're happy you're you're starting to forgive people and you're you're starting to move on with your life and try to enjoy what's left here's some more fucking memories. For you, how do you feel about that, you little shit? Like that's not on our watch, you son of a bitch. Right, that's literally what my brain just did to me, and it just pushed a bunch more of that shit out. So yeah. now I get to sort through that, but I'm I'm tired of doing it alone, man. I need to get somebody else to help me lift these fucking bricks off my back.
3: Yeah, man. I'd fuck. Yeah, mine's never anger. I'm I'm not as angry as I'm just I'm constantly anxiety ridden. The older I get,
2: right. And this is um, not this is not something that I am proud of. I don't want to make it sound yeah. like I'm bragging. Yeah, I'm not. And, and Matt can attest to it when I yeah. go off it is horrifying because you're bad you're worried i won't stop and I'm yeah. worried i won't stop
3: I just sit back and you know i watch you go the best is just to be quiet and watch you do it um <laughs> yeah from, i'm not talking from my own I'm experience not, i'm not
2: talking just verbally though like but when I'm ready to unload like yeah. when it when oh it, yeah when it fucking goes yeah like it's bad yeah,
3: and, yeah it, it does it, yeah it gets bad but yeah <laughs> mine is just silent horrificness just thinking about the mistakes i've made in my life and how it's affected my loved ones kind constantly. So I've
2: heard, like, it, I've, I've heard it stated before that anxiety is essentially anger turned inward, which is what I would say you're doing to yourself. And I I, that's definitely, probably it. And I, I definitely see it as well. Like I am as impatient as I am with the rest of humanity. Just imagine how ab- immediate yeah, you, I must be to satisfy my own.
3: Yeah. You're 10 times worse on yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of why we hang out a lot, <laughs> or at least we're, we, we can talk to one another is the fact that we're just, we're kind of, we got kind of the same shit going on, I think in our lives.
2: Our fucked so. up brains are what makes us friends, because we have literally yeah. nothing other than the podcast and the movies that we now have in common. Upon seeing yeah. together for the show, we had really not much, if anything, in common, other than the fact that we both recognized that we were fucked up and yeah. like like the same kind of humor. Like that's what we yeah, that we like
3: a, a bit of a darker, darker form of humor. <laughs> uh, we, we find a lot of humor in pain. <laughs> You know, so I mean, <laughs> I think the best,
2: honestly, I think the best comedians do. That's why so many yeah. of them have the the turnover rate that they do in not the problems that, that they have. And yeah. And the problems with drugs and alcohol and all that. Mm-hmm. I think the best comedy comes from a place of pain and it's, it's a way of smoothing over and spackling the open source, you know, and, and people and,
3: love it. Most people find that comedy very funny because. Almost everyone has some sort of pain that they're dealing with. And when you got somebody up on a stage talking about pain, maybe it's pain that even you kind of identify with, it helps you to laugh because they're making fun of it. So somehow, maybe even just a little bit, it takes a little bit of the power away from that pain.
2: Yeah, so when a comedian gets up on stage and talks about how they're so terribly horrible and undateable and their life is such a mess, the part of you that's inside that questions whether or not that's you they're talking about up there... (laughs) starts to laugh and enjoys the fact that Jesus Christ at least I'm not them at least my at it, least it's not that much of a mess they get it, up there and make fun of themselves yeah. to make us feel better and that's or,
3: or you can sit up there and go oh it's not just me
2: <laughs> right, I'm not you know, alone yeah I don't feel so bad now right like because you do actually I'm identify not the only the, right I'm not the only fuck up <laughs> Right, and I, I think podcasting, by and far, is an extension of that for us because we aren't funny enough to actually do stand up.
3: No, yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's 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 a that's that's true. That's true statements statement. you're making there.
2: But can we can we make fake radio on the fucking internet and still yeah. fuck that up and somehow still make it funny and good to listen to for folks that want to enjoy that sort of thing? Yeah, we do that. You, you, you goddamn right, we can. 324 goddamn weeks of it. Now here's your fucking break, because we're about to talk autopsy in this piece.
1: This will keep it <laughs> quiet.
2: You edit this... Week, we are bringing you the death metal band or proto death metal band, however, you want to fucking label it. They existed, they had a sort of growly sound going, and they were before a lot of other bands that were declared death metal. So, call it whatever the fuck you want. The name of the band is Autopsy. They took their name directly from the fucking movie, Autopsy. Really? Yes. One of the main folks that was involved in the band, Autopsy, apparently is a huge fan of this film and therefore named his band after it. And I can't fucking blame him after listening to this goddamn trailer.
0: This is where the dead become the living.
3: autopsy
0: you know your corpses but i know my souls a savage slashing rampage inside the chamber of terror where death lives autopsy it'll take you apart (laughs)
2: <laughs> autopsy it will take you apart it
3: will take you apart <laughs> alright man well fuck it. autopsy right
2: 1975's autopsy let's do this
3: let's do it alright so first 20 starts out uh, we see a young woman slit her own wrists a guy puts a bag over his head and jumps into a river we see another guy blows himself up in his car Let we see another dude who's killed two of his kids and then shoots himself with an Uzi right in the gut so He really wanted to suffer and die.
2: Okay, so this film is like not even... Sixty seconds in yet yeah, that we get yeah. all of this in like one giant opening sequence and I'm like Jesus Christ is it all going to yeah. be this fucking intense? Yeah, because you see a couple of dead kids within one minute.
3: You're like the fuck.
2: Right. I was like God damn, I'm really going to like this movie and Matt's going to fucking hate it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this, this is pretty. This is some uh, monstrous stuff we're having right here.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking in. Like already, I'm excited. So I'm just going to shut the fuck up and move on. But I just wanted to stress that that's like within the first six seconds yeah
3: it's uh it's definitely something else uh that's for sure (laughs)
2: it was fucking Um, intense
3: yeah really intense then we see a woman and she meets up with the uh, gentleman and he apologizes for being late and they get in the cab and she starts crying um then we cut to the morgue the city morgue and it's piling up with a lot of dead bodies. um we see um this creepy dude tries to hit on one of the female doctors there he's uh he's real creepy and um,
2: what in a morgue no
3: yeah, yeah right and uh she see she you can tell she's been working a lot she's tired she's hallucinating um she's keeps seeing like a corpse getting up smiling
2: i don't know you whether know. it comes through that well or not but um on the projector like the big 120 inch thing when i'm screening the movies on my theater room uh uh-huh. um, it that large you can see everybody's sweaty it's fucking hot you can see heat lines yeah. on things yeah like, it's so you can
3: tell it is very much supposed to be put out there that it is very hot outside yeah so
2: it it could be heat exhaustion, and she could be overworked on top of that. But she's clearly suffering from heat exhaustion. You can see it in her face. She's very flush and sweaty, and like everybody is really, really just overly heated. And that's kind of part of the cause of the suicides from what the intro was implying too.
3: Yes. Um, well, she keeps having these visions of uh, her um, of these uh, the the cadavers getting up and boning one another and just walking around. Fucking uh, hot. <laughs> Then she, she decides, okay, it's time to... She's washing up. She's washing her face. um And uh, the creepy doc says, hey, you need to check this body. And when he unveils it, it's actually a friend of hers. And he's doing... So he's like sticking out his tongue, being weird. And she freaks out. Well, anyway, later on, that same friend drives her home. And he tries... To, he comes on to her. And she's like, you know, I'm not really ready for that yet. And then he kind of assaults her in the car. She gets out, but... Apparently that doesn't really matter to her, so... I don't know why, but
2: okay. Yeah, we need to talk about this. Yeah. In this day and age, particularly in Europe, apparently that wasn't considered sexual assault. That was considered trying to seduce, forcing yourself like that without like fully sealing the deal and eventually accepting no. Like when it gets really, really like you know dramatic, no, that was considered yeah. seduction or attempting to seduce, right? Which is still yeah, fucking okay. sexual That's, assault.
3: I mean, it's still fucked up.
2: Right. But. Right. But like, it's more socially acceptable back then that this was like a way that you know couples would go at it with each other. Um, Obviously, she's still upset and just tired and had enough. And then that prank that he pulled is just like, you know, sent around the bend and they might have some kind of weird game that they like to play where you know he does get more salty with her and you know she has a certain point where she'll put up with that we don't even know but like everything the film is trying to show us here with this couple it's like yeah that's way too far but then again we don't have context on whether or not this is them as a couple playing or not either you know yeah, she's still with the guy so clearly she doesn't feel like she doesn't
3: feel that I guess scared
2: or unappreciated Uh, right but then again like this film is also ultra fucking rapey because it's a 70s italian film and a giallo at that so strap in because like even good characters can be rapey in giallos and it's fucking awful
3: yeah yeah i've I've noticed that about the giallos we have watched so
2: oh we haven't even done strip nude for your killer which is like way fucking worse with that kind of shit
3: yeah it sounds like it jesus christ um anyway
2: just fair warning man like these these are these murder mysteries may be really bloody and fun and giallos may be kind of fun to talk about but there's a bit of a minefield with some of them like this.
3: Agreed. Um uh that night she's uh later on that night she's doing some she's doing some paperwork or writing something she's typing something. She's very hot, you can tell it's very hot where they are. Well, she gets a late night caller and it's a lady from upstairs and who was also in the taxi from earlier and that's our first clip. Who is it?
4: You don't know me. Could I talk to you a minute? Hi. I know it's an awkward time to disturb someone, but I saw you out on the terrace and... From where? I'm up on the third floor. Actually, I want to borrow an envelope. Thank you. So you live upstairs. I must say, of all my father's girlfriends, you stand out like a ray of sunshine. Here it is. Here's your envelope. Orange? Oh, it'll do, I guess. Thanks. But I don't know your father. Who is he? Some divine man? My father. He's a funny man. With a weakness for Americans. Blondes, brunettes, and redheads. My mother was the first. American, of course. Medic? Mm-hmm. Thanks. Uh, what did you say your father's name was? I didn't say. But it's written on his door in great big block letters. Johnny Santa. You're his guest, didn't you know? Uh, No, I didn't really. When a girlfriend gave me the key in Florence, she just said, when you go away, put it under the mat. When are you going away? Tomorrow, home, Pennsylvania. I've had it with camping out in strange apartments. Thanks. Oh, Don't tell me you get your kids from this stuff. My interest is purely professional. Are you a doctor? That's right. You must be pretty smart. I wish I'd met you earlier. Do you mind if I stay a little longer? Maybe I ought to tell you something. It's sort of a secret. I mean, you're an American, aren't you? I'm only half American. But if I can help you. Is that upstairs? Sounds like it. I'll be
3: right back. Wait for me. Well, our red headed friend gets a phone call. She answers the call says uh, that she, she doesn't, she says not tonight. And she hangs up and she looks very, very afraid, very nerve wracked right now. So whatever's happening uh, for her isn't good. Um, well, she leaves that night and a guy walking his dog tells her to be careful out there. Simona, who was our lead character there, watches her leave um, and then tears a pickup of one of the bodies that she had. So she kind of just had a freak out. Um, so we see, uh, Red is going through the street. She passes by two drunks who one tries to tackle her and she just gets away. Then we see her talking to a priest. Then as she's walking, uh, a car pulls up and she apparently knows this person. Then we cut to the next day and two life cards find a dead body. Well, we see the woman is came up. She has shot herself apparently in the head. Pretty gruesome makeup done here.
2: Uh, yeah. The holes in the head and through the jaw and the way that they do it the the mold of the person's face and the way the eyeball is sticking out everything about it is grotesque but like it's it took me a second to realize when they weren't on the actress's face and they were on the mannequin so you could see through the holes and stuff mm-hmm. and I, I feel that alone is like the highest compliment I can pay to the fake head that they made like where I couldn't really tell when it was the actress with the makeup that looked like the hole on the one side you know without the light shining through and then okay. when, when it was the actual dummy head that they were picking up you know what I mean like obviously when they push the eyeball back in it's the actual actress but then they go back to the head and they show the entrance and the exit one and there's daylight through there and it was fucking incredible it looked really cool yeah
3: right jesus
2: and it's it's grotesque Um, to phrase it that way but that's what they built and that's how it looked and it was amazing it was so well done
3: yeah yeah, it looked really good.
2: It was grotesque um, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it was just, exactly. It was so well crafted and so like so detailed. <laughs> you have to yeah. you have to admire that level of craftsmanship.
3: Well, then uh, the creepy doc he uh, feels her up a bit, and uh,
2: yeah, even the corpses get molested in this film.
3: Yeah. Well, she walks up, then uh, looks over the body and just has a sneaking feeling she knows this woman. The woman looks almost like her because she has short blonde hair. Um, she's apparently working on a thesis about killers and such. Um, so the creepy doctor, he's apparently really good at reconstruction, and he begins reconstructing the face, which makes her even think she knows her even more. Well, later on, she goes to meet her dad. He tells her he's getting married. Uh, throughout this whole thing while they're talking, she keeps having weird episodes. And then, she runs into, I would say more like a frenemy, it's her dad's ex-girlfriend. She's wearing a red wig, and when the girl confirms that, she gets even more horrified and leaves and that's the end of the first 20 minutes
2: all right within the first two minutes of this film we have Uh full-fledged nudity we can say thank you movie to where the lady is kind of getting cleaned up in the sink and her boobs are out because that's just us observing her cleaning herself and that's what the film wants to show us so that's nudity we're okay to see with that is before the first two minutes of this film the first 60 seconds of this film are horrendous displays of death and suicide and like super fucking depressing yeah right (laughs) and then all the stuff in the morgue is like pretty intense and pretty like like really well detailed stuff uh, that they were doing for what the autopsies would look like when they're doing like the organ removals and things like that, it's grotesque. It is really, really just very realistic. And it makes me kind of wonder if they actually filmed some autopsy footage and threw it in the film because, um, a lot of these organs do not look like they were recreated. They look like actual fucking organs being washed off and handled. And the film stock kind of changes a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not saying that's definitely what they did. I'm just saying like, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what they did where they just put actual autopsy footage in. They could have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I really, I don't know, but the actual bodies where they had the wounds, like the larger ones, woman with the stab wounds all through her abdomen and chest, those stab wounds looked like actual, like, blood cleaned off, just body left behind stab wounds that I've seen in, not, you know, up close and personal, but, like, that I've seen, like, in stuff about autopsies and, you know, the CSI stuff, you know, where the investigations of crimes, crime scene photos, that sort of thing, like, the stab wounds looked believable. Somebody must have really studied what those wounds would look like once they were cleaned off and it was just the decayed flesh, you know? It was really interesting. The detail work that they did in all the makeup, and we've already kind of talked about that with that gunshot wound, um, which was definitely like the cornerstone of all of the effects. I don't know if it gets any better than that. I-, I don't know. What do you think?
3: No, I mean it was pretty grotesque. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, this whole movie does a pretty good job of of grossing you out when you you when when they want to. And
2: I think the thing it does about it is it's not it's not attempting to do it very salaciously. I mean, it, clearly the autopsy stuff and all in that is it's meant to make you sick. It's meant to yeah. gross you out, it's meant to throw you. You off your game but also it's meant to bring you into this world unanesthetically and just like just basically like drop you into this world that this woman lives in and just basically you're either going to adapt or you're going to be horrified the entirety of the film which means that it's successful in its nature of being a horror film because you will be horrified the entire time because even on her normal daily routine she's cutting up fucking bodies and it's kind of grotesque work <laughs> and the uh, effects that are done in the film are just So matter of fact and just laid out and pretty realistic. And I think the film handles it almost documentarian with that stuff. Like it doesn't feel other than the one creepy morgue attendant guy who does the feeling up and the touching, all the other stuff feels very clinical and very just straightforward and just very uncaring. And I think that makes that autopsy footage that much more disturbing in that it's literally how you're handled after you're dead because you're just tissue at that point. And it's just so uncaring and so utilitarian and just so empty. And they don't even take a time to recognize That, that was a human being because they didn't got time for that. They got to get through all these fucking bodies and perform autopsies.
3: Well, and I, I'm pretty sure people, the, the, the medical people who have to perform autopsies. They can't spend time going, Oh God, this was a person or else they'll go insane.
2: Right, right. You have to be detached and everything like yeah. that. And what I'm getting at is for someone who is not detached, like yourself being forced into this world and seeing all of this and having it happen, of course, it's going to be grotesque for you so yeah, much more true, so yeah. than, than someone that this would be their world. And I think the film does, that intentionally but i also feel like they could have made it way more salacious and way more fucking out there and way more grotesque and made that that molesty clerk guy that was like all feeling up that body they could have made him way more worse if they wanted to go they just acknowledge that's the thing that happens where the guy will cop a feel you know and try and play it off like it's no big deal even though that is a huge violation of a code of ethics and a bunch of other things for the type of work that he's doing yeah even still you know there you go but well oh, yeah. The way the yep, film yep. The, the way the film sets it up, this first 20 minutes, it lets you know that yeah, you're gonna be in for a fun murder mystery of a ride because we already, you know, this corpse had a familiar face. That's a that's the fuck that's a Giallo title right there. This corpse has a familiar face. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So I mean, because of that, you know you're in for a ride and a murder mystery and all of that stuff. It just so happens that we started at the point of the morgue. And since we had to start there, the film is going to start in some really deep, dark territory. And it's going to be interesting to see how they try to bring it out and, and bring it up at least a little bit, because we're going to be in this morgue a lot, we can tell. And yet they have to entertain us and keep us going for the hour and what, 40-ish minute runtime that we have ahead of us? Like, yeah. Like, okay, so we got like an hour and 20 minutes left ahead of us. We got the first 20 minutes in, and this has been really fucking grim. And I know part of me was like, Jesus, is it going to be this intense for like a good portion of this movie?
3: And yes.
2: <laughs> and the answer is, yeah, kind of, but it does lighten up slightly. Yeah, kind of.
3: Well, we start the next 20 minutes. She heads back to the morgue and she actually puts a red wig on the lady's body. She's then interrupted by her superiors. And that is our next
4: clip. Oh, Mr. Celestri. Uh, I, I was trying to steal your job. I am. Um, I found a red hair on the body this morning. From a week, so I I thought I'd buy one and
0: try it. Dr. Sanna's writing a thesis on the differences between simulated and authentic suicides. And this case looks like it could have come right out of a textbook. Yes. Well, we've run all the tests. Paraffin glove, powder burns at the point of entry, all positive. It wasn't a suicide. Her name was Betty Lennox. She was 23 years old. She came from Pennsylvania. She was murdered. Can you prove that? No. Excuse me, Father, but what makes you so sure? The path of the bullet, the circumstances, indicate suicide. You know your corpses, but I know my souls. I confessed this girl only minutes before what you call her suicide. And she could not have killed herself because I had given her absolution. And she had returned to the grace of God. You may have a knowledge of souls, but that doesn't qualify you to dispute scientific fact, Father. Father. Especially when the soul is a woman's. I've known this woman's soul since she was a child. My name's Lennox, too.
3: I'm a brother. Well, then, um, we see Simona. She leaves, and the Padre wants a ride, but he also wants to drive. He drives pretty crazily, um, and they end up at the beach, where he says it's the scene of the crime. Uh, she's really not interested in even seeing any of this, and she drives off. She takes off on him. Well, we see her friend who drove her home, who I will just call you know, uh, her dude from now on. I never really got his name. Well, he's standing there taking pictures in the city of, like, statues and in the buildings, and he sees her, and they talk a little bit. Um... And they talk about Red and how you know that was her, uh, you know, who was brought in. And he thinks that he had heard the name before, Lennox. Well, uh, he uh takes her back to his place, and uh she 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 says she, you know, she asks him to uh undress her. And so he does, and uh they start almost getting to Bone Town, but then she has visions of the corpses and screams and kind of loses it, and she has some pretty serious PTSD right here about something um
2: yeah her brain's trying to process the corpse with a familiar face that's what's going on but also she's overworked she's kind of had heat stroke and she's in the middle of the morgue with heat stroke which is probably the worst place you could ever get heat stroke is a morgue
3: yeah well they uh, uh they talk uh a little bit the dude actually remembers the name lennox that was a race car driver who got in an accident and killed 12 people at the racetrack he went into apparently as he put it the loony bin well then she gets home and uh she goes back home and sees that nice dog from before but its owner is the caretaker of the place and he's a creepy fuck and she says that the heat must be warping his brain
2: (laughs) pretty much every dude in this movie is a pervy weirdo in one point or another
3: yeah yeah and then she uh we see the creeper meets actually with her dad he delivers something to him but we don't see what it is um at that night he's uh taking his dog for a walk and he sees someone sneaking about the building so he sends his dog after him well we see it's the priest and the dog gets to him but he's able to fight him off he fights with the caretaker the, that gets to be like a real serious fucking fight
2: is this uh, the part they... where he starts screaming about killing him and stuff yes well, He's and killed he like a lot goes, of i've people killed shit. a lot yeah. of
3: people already so you know all that kind of stuff
2: then simona
3: yells at him and he snaps back and he goes back into her apartment with her and they talk in our next clip it's my sister's bracelet
0: i found it in the cogs of one of those machines they used to clean the beach with somebody tore it off and threw it away in the sand just as this beach chair and the bathing suit are also part of some setup to keep it from being identified right away you you ever killed betty didn't realize that there was anybody in rome that could identify her i mean this gunshot too And try to destroy her features. I mean, a beautiful girl doesn't kill herself like that. You're an expert on suicides, real ones and fake ones. You know that that's so.
4: Listen, Dr. Mori made some more tests on your sister and he found places of drugs. That can explain a lot of things, especially in a suicide.
0: Betty was involved with drugs, but she hadn't touched her stuff for years. And I know that for a fact. If there were any drugs found in her system, they were forced on her. It's your father, huh? He's a very good-looking man. What's, uh, that apartment upstairs? Uh, some kind of love nest? Interesting, this, uh, bracelet. Doesn't it look like Florentine handiwork to you? I mean, um, like that bureau. Or the items that your, uh, father sells in his antique shop in Florence.
4: That's enough. If you suspect somebody, why don't you go to the police?
0: Well, they think it was a suicide and I don't have enough proof to change their minds. I mean, not yet.
4: Change their minds? Isn't your name Paul?
0: Yes, my name is Paul. So what?
4: You might have some trouble changing their minds. After the massacre at Le Mans, where'd you go? You haven't been passing yourself off as a priest for very long, have you?
0: I am a priest. You hear me? I am a priest. Why don't you try and show me some respect? You hear me? Show me
3: some respect. Yeah, uh, he has his own little paper clips moment there, and he runs out. So that guy's creepy.
2: Um, Can we just talk about how unstable every single man in this film appears to be?
3: Yeah, they're all they're all just messed up, man. Yeah, they're they're messed up. So um, he gets into a cab, and as they're driving, he kind of he has a seizure. He seizes up. And he he uh they kind of carry him out back into the church. He gets into his room, uh, and he gets some pills into him that helps. So, uh, our our buddy's got a a small seizure problem, probably due to PTSD, uh, brought on by stress due to his uh accident on the racetrack. Oh, he also um, could have
2: brain damage from the amount of force in his brain bouncing around. That every now and then he has a seizure too.
3: That's that's also very true. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
2: Yep. That happens to a lot of race car drivers. Where there's like um, concussive damage done to their brain that's quite severe from even just a simple accident, just because no matter how much they're strapped down, your brain's still floating around in a bunch of goo inside a hard case.
3: Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> it should should help everyone.
2: Uh, just saying, shit. your brain was not meant to bounce around at high speeds.
3: Yeah, it, it wasn't. It, it was. It was not meant to do that. No, that is. Uh, that isn't. Uh, that's an honest to god fact. Yeah. That night, she goes up to her dad's little love nest and goes through it. Uh, she gets a call from her uncle, who apparently does business with, uh, her, her dad. They own a business together. And he's going through all this stuff. Apparently her dad's place is a damn mess. Um, he, uh, asks, she asks about the orange envelope and he's holding his hands, but says he doesn't see it, but he'll keep looking for it for her. Um, after that she cleans up all of the girl's stuff that was laying about, and she hears something, and then all of a sudden she watching someone go through the place, so she can not see who it is, but she leaves. She sneaks out, and she hides the stuff in her place. Creepy caretaker guy that same night, his dog is barking at something outside. He thinks the dog is just seeing a, 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 a female dog in heat, so he beats his dog, so so he's the fucking worst person in the goddamn world right now.
2: Uh, uh we should probably, villain in this movie, we should probably, um, also give somewhat of a content warning for folks. Uh, yeah, this sequence is he actually does it, looks like he's actually fucking hitting that dog with that strap. Uh, yeah,
3: it's it's bad.
2: Yeah. And then, like, later he's like loving up on the dog and treating them all lovey-dovey yeah. and all sorts After of After that,
3: he ties him to the radiator and and he says, Good dog, you know, you'll be better now. And you're like, Fuck you, dick. Um, and anyway, uh, so then the dog keeps barking and barking. So Simono comes in and she, you know, realizes it's him and, and and unties him. And the dog runs automatically to the bathroom and she finds that the creep has hung himself. Well, the priest comes in and gets him down. Uh, he's hung from the wall, but from his belt. He gets him down and he tries to do CPR, but he, he dies. And that's the end of that 20 minutes.
2: All right. So now we're we're starting to really question what's going on here because there are people that don't seem to have any reason to be taking their own life that just all of a sudden are just creeping up dead
3: yeah and and what was that priest doing there just so conveniently
2: right like we're starting to be like what the fuck is going on and now the priest is questioning and saying that you know his sister quote-unquote didn't kill herself so is this an extension of him trying to prove that his sister didn't commit suicide just because of some weird religious belief thing he has to have it declared that she didn't commit suicide
3: yeah or or does he think she's murdered I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, but he lived in this building, though. So, of course, he's going to have a, a, an investus interest in this place.
2: Right. But the suicides aren't all happening just in this building, though, either. No,
3: no, that is true. But she was in this building. So this is where it really comes down to kind of what she thinks, yeah, you know, what he where he thinks that he needs to really investigate is here.
2: Right. Well, let's just put it a little more succinctly in that two people. People have mysteriously committed suicide that were in the vicinity of this same building while our guy was investigating so he is clearly somewhat on the right track
3: yes yeah he's uh he's gotta get yeah he's he's on the right track now two people are dead um there's a lady who's uh, works in the morgue and she is he can even tell at least somewhat weird <laughs> right at best that's <laughs> what you'd say.
2: Yeah, and there's also, uh, we need to kind of talk about, there's the discussion going back and forth. as uh, Us as an audience, we're actually being shown for the very first time a suicide that we are led to believe, like, what the fuck? This makes no sense at all. Because yeah. the way that we saw it was, the guy was going in there super happy and everything was fine, and then the next thing we know, he's dead. Mm-hmm. And it looks like an apparent suicide, but we know as an audience that that's not what mood he was in, so something's up. Yes. Uh, the pre- Previous suicides, we've seen all the aftermath. We haven't just seen um, them prior to other than a little bit possibly of the corpse with a familiar face because the brother's talking about how he was talking to her and she didn't seem like it so we are now able to take him at his word I would say because us as an audience we have seen this gentleman who had no reason to kill himself apparently has committed suicide and now we're starting to think something's up you see what I'm saying yeah. like it's, no, give, yeah. it's giving credence to what it is that he has to say so we're shifting from being him being sus to him being possible team up investigatory guy. We need him to start looking into shit. And I think that's where the movie's starting to try and get us to go at this point.
3: Yeah, that he's going to help this doctor tried to figure out what the hell's going on.
2: Right. Because he's been aggressive. He's been super violent and he's been a red herring up to this point. Yeah. And now we can kind of shift him into the, okay, well now we know that like he's on the up and up, this really was his sister. He really is concerned that she committed suicide so we can trust him. And now he's, we're going to follow him and he's going to investigate. That's where the movie shifts right here with his death. Yes. This is fact.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we start the next 20 minutes. Um, they are talking to an older lady who is friends or family with the caretaker, and she even says that he had tried this once before, that she shouldn't have left him alone. Um, then, uh, the priest and her... Now we see that the priest was definitely who met Red on the taxi, because he's wearing the same outfit he was wearing before. Uh... I have a little bit of a problem here. Uh, right before they get in the taxi together, he and Simona, uh, my movie went to Italian. Uh, you didn't have so subtitles kn- in the file. Uh, I did not see any.
2: All right. Well, I've been. But
3: in- this is the only little section that that happened in. Uh-huh. So I've been including um,
2: subtitles without burning them in for you. You just have to select them through your uh okay. MKV player thing. All
3: right. Like I said, it's about a minute or two. Right. If even that, uh, <laughs> the rest of English. So
2: yeah. Okay. Well, just to fill you in, as they're leaving, he is trying to convince her that his sister did not commit suicide and she should actually be able to see and read between the lines that a lot of these suicides that are coming in may not actually be suicides that something else may be up and that's kind of what he's getting at and somewhat mansplaining her job to her at the same time and then, that's fun and then when it cuts to english she's still doing that so it's just like that yeah. that minute of dialogue is just, like, another, like, mansplainer phrase kind of discussion with her. Like, he's trying to convince her, but he's doing it in a really, really wrong way. In
3: a really uh, disgusting
2: way. Right. I gotcha. Like, like he could have he very easily been like, look, you know this stuff. I need your help. Yeah. Like, like this man probably didn't commit suicide either. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, there well, has anyway. to be something else. That's what it should have been doing, but they didn't do that. I gotcha.
3: Well, they get into the cab, and then, you know, English starts back up and he talks to her so that is our next clip I remember every word she said
4: yes I was going I'm not used to being lucky I I was afraid
0: afraid of luck Uh, what do you mean of what I represent
4: no my luck in running into you Usually, when I've done some damn fool, done some damn fool thing, the only one that got hurt was me. This time, I've, I've betrayed someone's good faith. Someone that loved me.
0: How have you done that, Betty?
4: Don't ask me too many questions, or I'll lose my courage, Paul. I was about to play a rotten trick on the poor guy. Something really shitty. Sorry.
0: I wasn't born a priest.
4: I know, but you put me on edge just the same. As a matter of fact, you always have. But I love you anyway.
0: I love you too. You're a good girl, you've always been.
4: Oh no, I'm not, I'm not.
0: You know, we priests are something like magicians.
4: Yes, I know.
0: Then you know that if I absolve you, your sins go away. They disappear.
4: Do you really think so?
0: But first, I want you to tell that man everything. The one you hurt him.
4: It won't be easy.
0: Promise me. It was my own advice that killed her. That's why I have to discover the truth.
4: You're unreasonable. I'm sure it's because you've lost your sister. But don't you think you should still be under treatment, Father Lennox?
0: You think it's some sick fantasy of mine that there have been two very strange deaths? Why was the caretaker paid first and then strangled? What do you think of an idiot? He must have seen something. And it's for your father's innocence. Why is he in hiding?
4: My father. My father. You don't even know him and you think he's guilty. You don't want the truth. You want revenge. And somebody to hate. My father's incapable of hurting anybody, but you are.
0: I know I'm not worthy of the cloth I wear. But God will help me.
4: If you really want to know the truth, Then I'll
3: help you, too. She meets her dad's ex, the one who was wearing the red wig that made her remember about everything else. All around her are pics of death, um, autopsy photos, uh, men who have been ripped apart. It's kind of, again, it's one of those shocking things. It's horrific. she's an artist of the macabre. She's into the, the, the macabre and, um, they kind of have a bicker moment where she they do not like each other very much.
2: Uh, yeah, it's pretty much like daytime soap drama level of caddy fucking back yeah. and forth between the two of them. And it's delicious and entertaining as fuck.
3: Yes, it's, it's great. And then she even gets on her and she's like, Hey, you know, you know, maybe you should watch how much you're hitting the bottle and then leaves like a boss. And the girl, actually the woman hits the bottle and, uh, that's fucking hilarious
2: yeah i heard that fucking mic drop from across the room
3: yeah Yeah, that's hilarious. And then takes off, the the lady takes off her wig (laughs) because she's all mad about everything. Later on at the morgue, she sees a typewriter. She's like, who's been using it? And this guy's like, I don't think anybody comes in here during the summer. And she checks and written on this typewriter is her own suicide note. Uh, So she walks through this hall where all these murder mannequins are. Mannequins in like murder, different murder situations. Well, she goes into a room, which was unnerving the whole time. I thought that was really good. Uh, she goes to the room that it says she's going to kill herself in and goes in. It's the fire room, uh, firearms room. Well, the door shuts behind her and is locked. She can't get out. Well, she finds the same suicide note pinned on a dummy. As she removes it, somebody tries to get her attention on the door. So she turns right in time as a gun goes off, blowing the mannequin away. If she, the person had come to the door, she'd be dead right now. And it would have looked like a suicide. So, damn.
2: Uh, what an interesting and weird setup to try and get the suicide to happen.
3: Right? it's insane but I love it
2: <laughs> yeah it was it was quirky and weird and like kind of darkly humorous and just really kind of fits with the rest of the tone of the movie because the movie doesn't know where it wants to be whether it wants to be horrifically grotesque or also whimsically humorous. Yeah, Yeah, it jumps back and forth with a lot of the dialogue and the way that these characters interact and stuff and then it does this whimsically grotesque humorous thing that fits perfectly in both worlds with the way that she almost dies and pretty much it's so surrealistic you're kind of questioning if she even hallucinated that like she's been hallucinating the corpses getting up and fucking each other
3: yeah exactly which was hot good times (laughs) um so then she's resting at home, and her dude friend shows up. The priest is already there. The priest asks dude friend to cheer her up. So he does. He cheers her up a lot and says that she and the priest are going to come watch him race because he's going to he's racing that day. Um. Well, at the race, they're all going, and the priest can't handle it. He says people are going to get hurt, and he leaves. See, that's Justin, where I think they're...
2: they make it pretty obvious that he was the guy that was the race car yeah. driver that killed I mean, we kind of know he's
3: the race car driver now.
2: But the fact that he can't uh, handle it and he loses his mind, that's pretty pretty much where yeah they, they drive that point home
3: mm-hmm uh, I think they even guarantee it when the dude comes in uh, right before he sees her, he even confirms to the priest that he's the race car driver.
2: Yeah, that he used to be. Because he said yeah. he was a big fan of his. Yeah, that's right. You're right. He does. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, so anyway, um, just after he leaves, uh, the dude's windshield shatters out. Almost looks like he gets shot out. And he crashes. His car's on fire and he's able to crawl out and escape, nearly getting hit by a car. Uh, See, I, able It to looked
2: g- to me like something got triggered to break it. Yeah. Like cause it was quite square. Well, we, yeah, it looked we'll like we find was... out
3: later what happened.
2: Right. But anyway. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh well we see her dad is there watching as well as she takes care of the dude. Uh later on they're together, she shows her feelings towards him, saying, you know, she does feel a, a very certain way about him and that she does not want to lose him. And she wants the dude you know, to know that she does have feelings for him and she got really scared about what happened at the racetrack today. Um Uh, he then shows her, she actually says she wants to change. She wants to, she doesn't want to be the uh, this cold person she has been. Well, he shows her these pics from Paris, and it's all these people having parties, and they're all nude, and all that, and she starts getting into it, and, um... She has the dude feel her up and then she goes down on him, but then she has a freak out moment and starts crying and, you know, he comforts her and says, you know, I should really just take you away from this place. You shouldn't have to be here. And that's the end of that 20 minutes. Right. So she she's definitely got some stuff going on due to her job.
2: Yeah, I think they're trying to imply something else as a sexual hang up besides just flashing back to the stuff going on with her job. Um,
3: that could be too. But I mean, at the same time, she always sees corpses. <laughs> she freaks. Yeah. And she, she's not as into it as you are.
2: <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I don't see what her problem is. She starts picturing corpses while she's getting ready to have sex and it upsets her.
3: Yeah. No. Court, that's an aphrodisiac.
2: <laughs> right. That's not normal. <laughs>
3: What do you mean? That's not normal. I'll tell you what's normal.
2: (laughs) But in all seriousness, yeah, I get it. But like, I don't think it's necessarily just her job. I think it's the recent heat wave and just the revulsion of what she's had to deal with in just the most recent days. Because if her job really bothered her that much, she wouldn't have been able to make it through school to get to the point where she would be the autopsy. Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. I mean, there's other stuff, but I think it's the so many of them uh, is is, is, uh, causing maybe her more problems.
2: Yeah. She's super overworked and it's stressing her out and she hasn't had time to process this wave of death. And yeah, Yeah. that is traumatic for human beings. Absolutely. But the fact that that's keeping her from getting an orgasm, that's the part I'm having trouble understanding. (laughs) Well, she's not you. (laughs) I get that, but like, man, you got to detach so you can get off. Otherwise, you're going to go nuts. You're like, come on. No, I'm just, I'm just basically saying like, man, you got to compartmentalize because you're, yeah. you're not going to survive if you, if you don't with this kind yeah, of Yeah,
3: she, she's not learning that part yet. So,
2: yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just that, I mean, she's clearly had a wave of death the likes of which she and her coworkers have never seen on her yeah. hands currently. And I can see where that is driving her to the brink. Um, I'm just being facetious because like, you know, lady can't get off right now because of all this and sexual frustration is just a thing for Giallo it really is
3: yeah i mean it's always like heat I, I don't think i've ever seen it cold in a giallo it's always hot it's always the middle of summer <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's well, in fucking italy it's always fucking hot right
3: yeah yeah i guess is it always hot i don't, I know, don't know what the temperature's like in italy <laughs> i have no uh, i was I'm taught well aware of, i was
2: taught social studies in fucking america i know shit yeah. about other countries yeah.
3: That's, yeah, that's what I'm getting at too. Yeah. I mean, the American education system is just America good. Without America, we'd all be speaking whatever language and, um, uh, in America. And that's, that's all I. That's all I know.
2: Well, clearly all giallos take place in the hottest days of the year that Italy has ever had on record because I don't think I've seen one that wasn't sweaty.
3: Yeah, they're all sweaty and they're all fine. Everyone wants to bone, but no one's boning <laughs> us. Not every single one of
2: them is sweaty. And I'm sure one of them takes place in like, you know, the fall or like winter or some shit that we're forgetting. And people will correct us on that because our audience is good. They're astute. Yeah, our audience is very good. Yeah, they'll tell us what movie we fucking covered and which one took place in the dead of winter and why we were so very wrong.
3: So the next 20 minutes starts. uh, Dad meets up with his uh, ex and asks her for a favor. And that is to, uh, he's going to make a call and he just wants her to make sure someone picks up. Uh, then, uh, the dad calls Simona and wants to meet her at home. He says, meet me at my home. I'm, he's, he's done of hiding and he needs to get some things straight with his daughter. It sounds like, so, uh, you know, all right. I dad, think, I think they're trying to make to be cryptic.
2: They're trying to make it. It's cryptic on purpose because they're trying to make it seem like maybe he's doing some of these killings and he's going to confess oh, yeah. to his daughter. Like, I feel like that's what they're doing.
3: That's definitely what they're doing. Yeah. 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 They're, they're definitely trying to torque him up as. A, a a a person of interest.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking red herring. We can say it. He's a red herring. We could, yeah, we, he is. He's
3: red herring. <laughs> um, Let's see here. Yep. Yeah, so, um, he uh he gets into a car uh that's picking him up, and we see uh the person who is picking him up is none other than the priest. Uh, so uh oh, and that's our next clip.
5: You know the way. Now look. I told you the truth,
3: I was in love with your sister,
5: and I was going to marry her, we decided in Florence. Then she dropped out
0: of sight, and the next time I saw her was in the papers, in those hideous photographs. Senor Sana, my sister told me she felt guilty about you, about something rotten she'd done to you. And that's why she was killed, and I'm absolutely certain of it. If you're telling me the truth, I think you'd better tell me who else I should suspect. Suspect? I don't suspect anyone. I think she killed herself. You supplied the reason, remorse. She killed herself, period. You're frightened. I'd have to be blind not to see it.
3: Of whom? Of what? (laughs) What Father Lennox. So, uh, the dad gets home, and we see that woman who was friends with the caretaker. She's watching, and she's looking all sorts of particularly creepy and sweaty. Um, So then, uh, uh, the dad finds his brother in his apartment, kind of going through the place. And he has the letter from Betty, and that's our next clip. What are you doing here?
0: (laughs) Waiting for you. Straightening up your disorder, as usual. I open this, it's signed Betty. Is she the one who was in the papers recently? Dear Johnny, I would have
5: liked to have become your wife.
4: But I betrayed your trust and so I'd rather go away. But before I do, I want to ask you to forgive me for taking this way out and for taking this document from you. I'm returning it now. Please try not to hate me too much. Betty.
5: A letter of farewell? No. This is a suicide note. I was right. This
0: should convince that priest. Where's the document?
1: That's what I was wondering.
5: Where's that document? Got out here, you, can't, you, you me. to be. There was nothing it's else. Robbery! Understand? You understand? Ice robbery! Now try it's to be reasonable! Good. You'll pay
0: for this. I swear to god this time you will pay our partnership is finished swindles frauds trick the document the document was you there too far you're lying <laughs> i won't be involved anymore you're a failure you're a
2: failure jesus christ man
3: yeah man that- not the best brotherly relationship, I guess, in the world, but oh well. <laughs> we're, uh, we're
2: pretty much o for every fucking guy on screen for having a meltdown moment.
3: <laughs> yeah, every one of them are all having. Everyone, in fact, on this movie so far, has kind of had a paperclips moment. <laughs> all right, fine. It's, uh, it's a little you scary in the fuck there.
4: Took my paper clips?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying.
4: Who in the fuck? Paper
3: clips. <laughs> you're begging for it you
2: got it <laughs> thank you it's
3: about damn jesus christ in the <laughs>
4: took my paper
2: have i played it enough for you yet or do you feel satiated
3: uh, i feel yes i feel like i've had enough <laughs> so um that night uh simona has visions of her dad plowing Betty. It's a weird thing for a daughter to have visions of, but okay.
2: Well, clearly she suffers from the same kind of anxiety that you and I do, my friend, because I mean, look at the way her mind works. You don't want to think about that kind of shit, but you know, your brain goes to those kind of areas and you don't want yeah, it to with anxiety. Well, it, it-
3: you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all over the place there.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, clearly that's what it is. It's an anxiety-fucking-induced night induced nightmare. That's what she's having.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that's too bad uh, for her. Um, anyway, um, she actually goes to the hospital. And for some reason, the elevator's not working. So she has to fucking go through, use the stairs. And she's not all that pleased about having to do that. Uh, while she's going through there, she's hearing moans. And I don't know. We don't know if that's in her head or real. Uh. Well, then later on, we see at her dad's place, the dog is barking up at the the top of the building. And then we see her dad falls right off the right off the balcony.
2: So dad's dead. That was an intense so, fall, even though it was a mannequin.
3: Yeah. Um, oh, God, it was a, it was intense. And then the way it landed was intense. Oh,
2: and then when they cut
3: everything to it, about they, this movie is pretty intense.
2: Yeah. I mean, the mannequin drop, it's very clearly a mannequin. But the way that they do it and they make it happen so quickly and it's so abruptly where it starts and finishes that the shock is not wearing off by the time you are still like hey wait that was a mannequin and then they show you the body or the aftermath and the effects they do for his broken body after bouncing off the pavement are pretty fucking good too
3: oh dude it is yeah it is it's horrendous it's it's gross oh it was bad (laughs) Shh. yeah it was <laughs> it was it was not something I enjoyed
2: yeah it was grotesque uh it was intense and uh they did a really good job with a lot of the deaths in this film for 1975 it's amazing how much this stuff is still as effective as it is on us after everything that we've seen <laughs> yeah
3: yeah right I agree it's um pretty fucking horrific um so um at the hospital Simona uh confronts her uncle and he's like oh, I just got into town she's like no nah, I called and I know you've been in Rome for days. So she talks to the doc and the dad. The doctor says her dad's going to be paralyzed almost pretty much from the mouth down. He's going to be pretty much a vegetable, uh, most likely, if he lives. The priest tries to comfort her, but she blows him off, said, you know, you hated my father. Fuck you. Go, go to hell. Uh, eat shit and die.
2: Uh, um, so is that a paperclips moment?
3: Yeah. Yeah. She is a paperclips moment on him. She, she, she pretty much says, you know. Thank you, fuck you, bye.
2: More um, or less. Justifiably so, because he has been on her dad's back because of his sister and all that stuff, and so after what happened to her father, she's lashing out at him. That's
3: that's also a pretty good fact, yeah. So, uh, Simona is studying Betty's body and finds an ejection point on Betty. Uh, sh- so, she knows she was drugged before being killed, and she knows now it can't be her father because her father hated Needle. Um, the creep doctor then gets creepy again, talks about how... How you know he likes her body and all that, and then he gets super rapey and tries to rape her. uh he She's gets right get afford- up actual
2: rapey, yeah. He tries, yeah, yeah. To. I'm saying yeah.
3: he gets rapey, he tries to rape her. It's, it's a full, it's, a, it's a raping. It's just, this, is <laughs> this is, this is bad. This is, this
2: is, this is sexual this is what assault, rape is. yeah. It's thwarted, yeah, but rape. it is sexual assault. This is wrong,
3: yeah. This is very wrong. So, uh, <laughs> so he, uh, she actually gets a fork and s- cuts him with it, and he gets then freaked, and he turns into a fucking, like most rapists are uh, deep down, a coward. And uh he starts crying, and he ch- she chases him. She starts, like, saying, just fuck it, I'm done. She chases him. She starts stabbing him and shit, and, uh, and she's getting ready to kill him, but her dude man shows up and stops her from doing it uh he takes her back to his place and kind of blames her for it you know hey you you can't blame the he even says you can't blame the guy because guys like that love the chase because she's so cold
2: yeah it's victim blaming it's fucking disgusting
3: yes yeah gross as shit that's that's some bad bad stuff well this is where i had my
2: paperclips moment at the film
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah i do not fucking blame you what the fuck but then he blames her also for the murders, kinda, then strips her down and they have sex. And it's gross because of how he did that.
2: Yeah, um this is not enjoyable at all to watch. I agree with no. you. I yeah. No thanks movie.
3: Yeah. Thanks thanks movie, <laughs> but uh no thanks. That's uh
2: that's that's not that's not cool movie. <laughs> Bad movie. Yeah, my reaction my reaction to this sequence. I hate
3: that Yeah. I hate that the next day she meets with the priest and that's our uh, next clip.
4: It wants to kill me. I'm afraid.
0: You should have confided in me sooner or I might have been able to help you.
4: Confide in you? How can I confide in you if you hate me? I had to find somebody else and we made love. But that's not a sin. I was really making love with you. I love you. I'm sorry I love you, but I do, I love
0: you. Please, Simona, don't hurt yourself so much.
4: I'm not hurting myself, you're hurting me. Why do you have to hide behind your cloth? You are a man, aren't you? In my dreams, you are. I'm in love with somebody else, but really it was you. What do your awful vows mean? You were sick when you took them. They don't count.
0: Please, Simona, don't blaspheme.
4: I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
0: Simona, I love you too. I'll never give up my vows but I love you as much as a man like me can love anyone. <laughs> I know a 16-year-old kid who's paralyzed like your father.
4: Somebody who's hurt at Le Mans.
0: Yes, a kid involved with in my accident. Anyway, he has this machine with which he can express himself with just the movement of his eyes.
4: I know. There's something like that in experimental psychiatry. I know what you mean. You mean my dad? You mean... You mean he could communicate with it? He could tell us everything?
0: Yes. Then maybe this nightmare will be over with.
3: Come on. So, uh, they have the session with the dad, and uh, when he's spelling out the letters, for some reason, it looks like he's spelling out uh, her name. The daughter's name, but then he starts having an issue and they inject him with some medicine that's supposed to help, but it ends up killing him and he dies um the police will investigate it but then we cut to a cardinal talking to the priest saying you know we spoke to the police the church pulled a lot of strings but you can now leave and the priest says i don't want to leave this is where my work is and he goes "Uh, come on don't let's not do this you need to get the fuck out of here well as he goes back to his room one of the other priests says a lady left something for him a package he thinks it's simona and goes to run after her later on simona meets with dad's ex and she says she saw dad with the priest the night he got thrown off the roof the padre then checks out the package that was given to him and it's a book it's a bible and as he goes through there he notices there's two blank pages that have ink spots on them that look like a letter had been placed in between them uh then we see the dad's bro he's he's leaving he's getting the fuck out of dodge and and uh, then the priest jumps into his car. He's looking for a lift. He was like, hey, I think you should probably give me a lift. Let's go. And uh, not so nicely uh, makes him give him a lift. And uh, that uh, ends that 20 minutes right before we go into our final 20.
2: All right. So the sequence where there, like, there's that forced sex where the guy basically takes off her clothes and just goes after her. I think yeah. because she was wanting the priest so much, she just basically pictured being made love to by the priest. which. Yeah. We didn't comment on that because we were so outraged by the actual, like, rape that they're trying to show us as a sex scene. Yeah. Um,
3: so- Although I didn't know she was so much into the priest until she said it. Because just a few scenes before that, after that guy's car wreck, she admitted that she did have feelings for him and was scared that he had gotten hurt. So I think she's massively confused as well.
2: Right. But, I mean, she is picturing the priest. face. The priest now. When, yeah, when, she was, when she was being assaulted. But then, yeah. like, somehow... Turned turned away to make it like into where when she was making. When she it had the sex head. with
3: the dude. She pictured the priest, and that made her realize: while well, she likes this dude, she's in love with the priest.
2: Right. Okay. And like we didn't talk about that because we were upset about the actual way yeah, the sex, with was, the
3: way yeah. with how it happened.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We were not happy about that. Yes. I, I totally no, agree there. That, um. So we, it's weird that they jump back and forth so much with how much she's gonna love or hate the priest, and I, it doesn't coincide with what happens with her father enough where like her father falls off the building and she automatically hates the priest she should have been lashing out and hating him whenever that thing that made her be more suspicious of him yeah you know when like someone's like oh I saw them together that night like then she should be colder to the priest like there's certain things that are happening in an order that don't make sense because like now that she thinks that the priest may have been involved in her father's death and she now wants to be back with the priest again we need to like change that up a little bit between when she's Actually uh,
3: angry with him. I think it's weird as well, but uh, uh yeah. Yeah, I don't know really, you can't really you, I don't make any sense of that at all either. So, there's
2: like a time like when certain things happen in certain time frames in the movie where it doesn't make sense that they're happening in the time frame that they're happening in. Um and it kind of adds to that disoriented nature that the rest of the film's giving you anyway because like the way that a lot of these characters are acting, they are all clearly overheated and it's like really fucking hot and they're all very uncomfortable and they're all just trying to like just stay cool and keep calm and like temperatures are flaring up everywhere because of how fucking hot it is and it, it's it really works it helps keep the tension going in the film you know quite a bit because no matter what no matter how calm everybody is they're still fucking sweating their <laughs> fucking genitals off
3: yes. it's still fucking hot
2: <laughs> yeah. it's still everybody's fucking miserable and like you know they're all within like their wits end anyway and to add this all up there's a fucking wave of suicides and then a wave of murders that are trying to cover up murders to be suicides and they're trying to differentiate what's happening and the priest is involved this lady's falling in love with him all of this drama is just being thrown on top of this murder investigation and all this other shit that's going on that's so fucking jally and there's just There's so much shit packed into this movie. I can't believe there's all this story going on.
3: (laughs) Yeah, right. There's There's just a lot of stuff happening right now.
2: Right. (laughs) Like like even sub characters are getting fucking plot lines and like subplots and like love stories and shit. And like, it's so hard to follow. But at the same time, like it's so rich that you could just watch it again and follow another plot line that you completely abandoned and forgot about.
3: (laughs) I know, to... right? It's great.
2: <laughs> I do not envy you your job of trying to keep this all in your notes, man.
3: It, it was not a lot of fun. It was not the, the easiest movie, but at least it was interesting.
2: Right, but I'll <laughs> tell you a lot worse. I'll tell you, you're doing an excellent job. I got nothing to add, and like you definitely kept better track of it than when I did, obviously.
3: <laughs> all right, well, uh, final 20 minutes. Uh, Simona tells, uh, the, the kind of the, the caretaker's lady friend who now I guess is taken over as a caretaker. She says she's leaving for the day and Simona's like, that's fine. I'm just going to sleep all day. So don't worry about me. I'm, she's fine. Can't blame her. Apparently. Yeah, no, uh, you know, she went through a lot of shit. So, uh, you're, you're going to need a break every now and then. Uh, she dreams of Betty's corpse accusing her of being the murderer of uh, being always jealous of her and her dad and the stuff they were doing. So, she's got a lot of uh a lot of survivors guilt to say the I least. Mean, obviously, yeah, to say the least, there's a there's a lot of survivors guilt here. Um. So you 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 know you. I feel bad for her. Um. Then um she is showering and she starts hearing footsteps. Uh, there's a lot of moments here where I can give thank you movies too. Just uh, trust me that there's a lot of thank you movies to give out here. Yeah. There is for lack of a better term. There
2: is nudity in this film that you are allowed to enjoy as a moral yeah. human being. Absolutely.
3: Yes. Morally, I I feel all right.
2: Yeah. And then there is other nudity that even myself you, will allow myself to enjoy, like in the morgues. Stuff that you want, so
3: yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, I can't do that part. Um, right, I can't go there.
2: Right, and if Um, if you are also the kind of person that can detach your brain from the things that are happening just to be able to enjoy the nudity, you know, like and just detach yourself from the story just to look at the nudity, then yeah, you could probably enjoy just a pretty much all of it. But
3: yeah, probably. Yeah,
2: but Matt and I can't do that, so we don't. We don't.
3: (laughs) We don't have that kind of fun. Where's all the fun? When do I get to have all this fun? Um. So anyway, uh, then we cut, so she hears footsteps. Well, we cut to the padre and uncle, and they're talking, and that is our
0: next clip. Tell me, Lennox, why did you want to come here? I haven't been in Florence since the flood. What a disaster for Florence. But at least it was the first time in history that youth from all over the world worked side by side to recover and save the great works of art that belonged to all humanity. I was with them. How many paintings and precious books were lost. And then some were saved. Like this one, perhaps you've seen it before. It's a very rare edition. Aren't you surprised to find it in my hands? I know nothing about it. I imagine you have a department for book restoration in this place. You imagine or you already know. Nel pieno possesso. Uh, mol allore. Maloloria. it might be being of sound mind and a full possession of my faculties. And even though this cost me much pain. A will. Get out of here, Lennox. I will not tolerate your insinuations of blackmail. You won't tolerate blackmail. But you might practice it, right? Where did you buy it? Look, either you're going to tell me or I'm going to look it up in your records. Well, it's obvious you, uh, you got it before the flood. You know, this area suffered a great deal of damage, didn't it? But the Sano brothers made a great comeback and in record time. Did a uh, little bit of uh, luck help you through the crisis? In any case, I also happen to know that you had a fistfight with your brother the night he fell.
4: It's the August holidays. Nobody's here. Where do you want me to go?
0: He stole my car, my gun. He's dangerous. He's He's on his way to Rome for you.
4: Why me? Probably because you're going to be his next victim.
2: Anyhow, I warned you. (laughs) Good
3: luck. I warned you. I warned you. Get the fuck out. Um, so she starts losing it a little bit because I mean, why wouldn't you? You just found out that somebody who so. you think you're in love with might be a murderer, justifying coming so. for you. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, that's uh, that's scary stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, and I wouldn't be a fan. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, then she starts remembering everything, like all kind of like the uh, all of. I guess, like, all the things that are starting to add up that maybe makes the priest the, the, the killer.
2: Yeah, um, he's super sus right now, yes.
3: Yeah, she calls her dude, and he's like, hey, are you all right? What's going on? He's just helping his aunt with flowers. His aunt is damn near death.
2: Um, he
3: then goes upstairs and talks with his aunt, and that's our final clip. You know, I'm a lot like
5: you, Aunt Elvira. Your patience, your attention to detail. Even so... I- Your life's tranquil and mine's a mess. My money is going through a very delicate period right now. Like your flowers in the sun. Both need care. Someone still presents a threat to my inheritance.
0: It's all your brother's fault.
5: I mean my father's. Oh, are you talking to me, Edgar? Papa! I was talking about Papa!
4: What a fine man my brother was. I'm going to take some flowers to him.
5: He was a hard-headed fool. And you wouldn't have to take him flowers if he hadn't broken my balls when he was still alive.
0: <laughs>
5: Imagine him arranging to get his revenge from the grave. With that stupid business of hiding his will in the Bible. Christ. I wish I knew why the hell that priest went to Florence. He's another stubborn fool. His idiot sister. Poor Betty. You always said I was no good. You wanted to disinherit me. But you didn't make it, did you? Your will is right here. Safe and sound. The priest and Simona are the only ones left to give me any trouble.
0: Dear Papa,
3: I have to take care of them, too. So we find out that, um, well, the dude's been the killer this whole time. For what? What else? Fucking money. Yep. So- Just so his livelihood and uh, the way he does things doesn't have to change. And he can just be this playboy he wants to be his whole life. Uh, So well all right then sometimes
2: uh, in order to make an omelet which happens to represent the lifestyle of luxury and um enjoyment and entertainment that he gets to indulge in you have to kill lots of people
3: yeah well that's i mean you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs right
2: right you can't be rich and you know lead a life of luxury and leisure without murdering a bunch of people
3: yeah i mean that's just how it is sometimes so sorry about your luck folks <laughs> basically
2: that's what this guy's saying to them also. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the lowest lowest common denominator of scum, right? He's murdering people so he doesn't have to be uncomfortable.
3: Yeah, so he doesn't have to maybe work ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. What a piece of shit. Yeah, he is uh he is a giant piece of shit. That's uh that's not a good thing. Um later on the dude shows up and he talks to Simone and uh they pours them, pours them both a couple drinks. And she, um, uh, all starts feeling weird, and he tells her the whole deal uh, about how his father, Black, her father, Simone's father, found the letter, blackmailed him into paying money so they wouldn't release the will, um, and that's why he got all pissy with her, uh, or all pissy with him, and why everything kind of started, um, uh, how everything was going. So he's like, that kind of started all the, the problems originally, um... And uh, he said the dad was the one who shot at his windshield. He said, your dad's a piss poor shot. He's the one who shot at my windshield, causing me all sorts of issues. Um, and then the Padre shows up, but she can't move or warn him. Uh, as the Padre's checking on her, uh, the dude sneaks up behind him, injects him. They fight, but he says, hey, keep fighting. It's going to move faster. And he tells him his sister was actually, uh, the Padre's sister was helping him to get the will from her dad. And then it was her sister, that his sister, that really caused the problem because she backed out. She was starting to feel bad. And uh, so she backed out. And, uh, so, uh, and so he said, you know, he, that's why when he saw her that night, he drugged her, got all the info from her about why she was backing out and send the letter without the will. Um, he then strips them both in the bathroom, poses them to make it look like a lover's thing. They couldn't be together. So they killed, they, they committed suicide together. Um, and I don't know, what did he turn on? Was that gas? What was that?
2: Yeah, I think it was the gas. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It was like, he turned on some gas and he leaves. Um, The, uh, the priest though, he's able to, he's able to get moving a little bit. And he gets to his pills, and he breaks it open with his mouth. So I mean, ow, that has not hurt. Um, and then he goes, "All right." He eats some of the pills, and he's able to move a little bit and turn on the water. And the water just leaks. And so that's the last we see of it.
2: Uh, he turns on the bidet, and it makes the, the toilet bidet. overflow. Yeah. All right. At least I think that's what it was. I, I'm not 100. I sure.
3: think I think you're right. I think it was definitely the bidet. So anyway, then we cut to the dudes back. Up on top of the buildings, taking pictures of statues, and he sees the two drive up in a car. They are alive and very well. The padre climbs all the way up to the top, they struggle. He wants to kill himself. The dude does. The Padre's trying to stop him. Then he tries to take the Padre with him. They continually fight one another constantly. And finally, uh, the guy gets flung over. The Padre's trying to pull him back up, but the guy just sort of goes limp. And the Padre loses a grip, and the guy falls to his death. Roll credits.
5: C-I-N-E-M-A-P-S-Y-O-B-S
2: All right, so... Um, not exactly sure how to really phrase what it is that I'm thinking. All right. I just really don't. Um, The story is really, really well done. I found Mm. the movie really entertaining and I really did like it. Uh, It just kind of feels like a rush to the end. Like most Giallos, they do this where they want to give you this twist on the killer that they just dump a shitload of information on you at the end to say, this is all information you didn't have. And this is why you didn't know what was going on with the mystery. And I think that's the biggest thing that most mystery fans will find frustrating with Giallo. But there's a lot of mysteries that do that too, though, where... Like yeah. they just dump it all on you at the end so they can make up an excuse as to why you couldn't figure it out and why all the red herrings were red herrings um, True. in this. Uh, but I will say the cases for a lot of the red herrings at the time that they're doing it were extremely plausible. So it was more of a find your way to the killer by process of elimination and then get lucky like what actually does happen to cops. Yeah. Because they never actually solve anything. They usually just get lucky. <laughs> They just don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're just closing cases. They don't even care if you're actually fucking yeah. guilty. It's the truth. That's how cops work. Um was a
3: good goddamn.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. But anyway, it's like I am, I'm a little pissed off as a viewer that they just mm-hmm. like dump all this on you all at once. And like, they didn't give you any hint at it or, you know, any reason why <laughs> it's just like all this information that they should have sprinkled throughout the film, you know, because like I, <laughs> you know, something
3: maybe I, I get don't get me wrong. I get what you're saying. They did rush to the end. Because they used up a lot of time on a lot of story. I thought it was fun.
2: All right, but like but, as as a, as someone who likes to go through the murder mystery and try and figure out the actual mystery and like figure out who it is and find the suspect, don't you find that kind of frustrating though, or you're just willing to let it go? You don't care.
3: I'm kind of willing to let that one go. I don't care. Um, I suppose you're kind of right. I would have loved to maybe more of a chance to try to figure it out myself. Uh, I think that would have been fun. Um, but. Maybe with this Jallo, I didn't feel so much of the murder mystery as I did feeling just like this is going to be an uncomfortable movie to fucking watch. And just buckle up and get into it.
2: Well, this has some of the same kind of ground that Scream was working on that we've already talked about before. Yeah, where it's it's really just kind of self aware of what it's doing with with everything. It, it does it does have that feeling with it, you know, like yeah, and especially um, where all the motivations of the characters are, are ever changing, and everybody's constantly frustrated and like you know just overheated and angry, and it's jumping around it, it, with the emotional part of the story storytelling and then just all of a sudden revealing at the very end you know like you you basically have that same kind of stalking killer but it's like more interpersonal teen drama but in this case it's the grown up drama you know with with yeah. with them so there's a lot of like heavy drama and like these life stories and these intermingling things that are going on and then oh by the way there are people that are actually being murdered so then we switch to murder mystery um everybody gets their suspect red herring moment and then the actual killer we never even spend any real time with at all in the <laughs> (laughs) That
3: is true. We don't get to... And he seems so aloof about it. And his willingness just to kill himself after going through all this work to try to get this money, instead of trying to, I don't know, do anything else, seems weird to me as well.
2: Right. And I just want to state that even though I'm voicing some dissatisfaction with that in the way that it does it, I accept that several movies do that sort of thing. But the reason that I am kind of a little harder on this movie about it right now, and I want to discuss it is because up until that point, it was doing so fucking well and building so much fucking tension. And they could have spent just a little more time with the character and just have him talk about an inheritance thing or something or other or, you know, something give us some kind of a reason to having a little
3: trouble with money right now or
2: something right um, but
3: i think they were too they were too concentrated on making it so that you could not the dude is the one guy who you just would not suspect yeah I, I I really think that's what they wanted to do.
2: Yeah, I just I don't know. Like, it, like I it's more mystery novels whenever they do it in the novel because you're supposed to be when you're reading the book trying to figure it out on your own and see if you can figure it out. Because then when you figure it out, you know, you feel better, you know. And yeah, there's there's cheats that mystery books have done like that, you know. And I, I'm still a little sore about it when it happens in movies sometimes. <laughs> I don't I don't blame you at all. Yeah, I I, I mean I get that.
3: I think it's just. Uh, just the fact that you know unfortunately it's just uh, they they had a one way of they wanted to do it and they didn't really want you to maybe figure it out yourself they wanted to do whatever they wanted to do
2: yeah it's not that's the thing is this uh, this isn't a typical murder mystery although it poses itself to be it's very much like scream in that it's doing its own thing it's very aware that it's using the murder mystery frame but it's telling you a different story throwing in some heavier drama and then just dumping the part that makes the you know why the killer is the or who the killer is and why they're the killer the killer and then you lose them immediately <laughs> you know it's, yeah. it's the same like proto slasher thing you know like that same kind of vibe you know that that, that don't, that's going on and I just I don't know I felt kind of disappointed because the mystery was so good and it had me so involved all the way up and then I just felt cheated and that's what I'm bitching about really is I just yeah. like I feel like they dropped that mystery thread like right at the last second and it just made me sad
1: <laughs> but every, well, every you know
2: Jallo what? does this though like almost all of them do it so you know I just I just have to deal because it happens with me with every Jallo, I'm sure Sure.
3: Yeah. And I still think it was a fine movie to watch. Well, that's, it kept
2: me, listen, kept that's it. Up. That's it. That's my last, that's my sole negative thing. I have to say Every every yeah. other piece of praise that I've heaped upon this film, I absolutely still it's, feel 100%. And it far yeah. outweighs that minuscule disappointment thing. So yeah, I'm, I agree. I mean, like the special effects are incredible. They are grotesque. It's really hard to look at this shit. And it's so God. hard to believe that that was 1975 that it was done in. I mean, I, yeah. I can't praise that stuff enough. Um, the acting we made light of a lot of the paperclips moments but when these people needed to have a meltdown they had an actual meltdown like yeah. and it was really well performed mm-hmm. even the folks if it was their voices were dubbed later whoever was dubbing the english language version of it did an excellent job of matching the face uh, like the facial expressions of the character and the body movements and the way that they are carrying themselves. They did an excellent job with that, Um, each of them, uh, whenever that was happening. So like even, even the acting and the, the drama stuff was great. I mean, it, it leads you up with this great murder mystery and like really dangles all these red herrings out and it keeps making you wonder if maybe you discounted this character a little too soon, you know? Yeah. And like it, it's, all of that stuff is absolutely excellent. And then, like I said, just that, that the disappointment thing at the end, that's just me belly aching about Jallo's not getting the part of the mystery that i love the most is being able to actually figure out who it is yeah you know that's that's what i love in my murder mysteries I and mean, that's not what giallo is that's totally fucking fine There are proto slashers my man and i gotta get over it
3: yeah pretty much <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i think we've been talking about this more than long enough for tonight before we're gonna do any psyop news so anything else you have to say about the movie before we move on
3: no i got nothing
2: all right well let's just end this fucking show with this fucking promo Severed Survival, the title track on track eight, Severed Survival, from Autopsy, the band who loved this movie, Autopsy, so much they took their name from it. Autopsy! That is, well, if you are listening on the Pirate Radio Edit, if you are listening on the main feed currently, which, by the way, the difference is whether or not you are a Patreon subscriber, the Pirate Radio Edit is still a part of the Legion podcast Patreon because the bots be scrubbing everywhere but there, so that's the show that I get to bring you the way I want to bring it to you, and I know there's like seven of us right now listening to it, so, you know, let's get those numbers up on the Legion Patreon.
3: dozens of us, dozens!
2: (laughs) I would like tens of you, at least... At some point to know that there are at least tens of you out there listening on the Pirate Radio Edit on the Legion Patreon just to, you know, make me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I'm one of the tens even
3: one of the te- the tens
2: <laughs> <laughs> hashtag make it the tens of you <laughs> if you'd like to find other instances where we made up bullshit hashtags to try and segue into something else and then failed miserably at it you can look at that on our main landing and or launching page dot forward slash cinema dash psyop somehow i made that successful yeah that was really good you can also find our Instagram feed, uh, cinema underscore psyops. There, that is where all of our memes are dropped for the people to share.
3: Yeah, well, of course. You gotta be able to share the meme. <laughs> I mean, listen, we are socialistic with our memes, all right? Your memes are our
2: memes. <laughs> I got nothing to add on to that. Well, you can also tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the formerly hate-filled shitfest known as Twitter that has been reformed into a porn bot Heaven. I am at Court underscore Psyop there, and he is at Psyop Matt. PornBot Heaven. Mm. He swears he's only keeping his uh, Twitter because that's where he keeps in contact with the fans. That has nothing to do with all the porn bots that he'd be following after I'd be following them. Corn bots?
3: Never heard of such a thing. Where did one even find such a bot?
2: Uh, it's on Twitter on my followings. <laughs> You can also join our Facebook group, Cinema Psyops, where the bots be scrubbing and there be no porn. But hey, there's some great discussion going on still, and all sorts of stupid, weird memes like we shared on our Instagram for you to Cinema Underscore Psyops. So the group is aptly named Cinema Psyops there on Facebook groups. Right, well, there you go. I am also available. That's convenient. <laughs> I am also available there as Court Psyops, and Matt exists in a way that you can tag him there to talk about when he's been ghosting you and for how long in a post that he will never look at.
3: I mean. Listen, man. It sounds like you're 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 kind of you know you're gaslighting me right now. All right, that's what it sounds like to me.
2: You, so you could also attempt to stop. You could also attempt to email feedback to Matt at gmail.com, But let's face it, he has never looked at that either.
3: I. You don't know what you're talking about Again, you are gaslighting
2: If you would actually like to get a hold of someone That has any decision making on this show at all A.K.A. He Runs Bartertown, You can email me, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com
3: That is true, you do run Barter Town I can't, I mean, I don't think anybody would lie about that or, or disagree And if they did, what the fuck
2: I run the Barter Town that is this show But our listeners, while you are out there Running your own personal Barter Towns Kick the fuck out of this week And make it your bitch hear me? Okay, I just wanted to make cool. sure because things got weird there for a second.
3: Yeah, my shit got weirdly weird there for a second as well. So, <laughs> so I was like, eh, I better make sure he can hear me because this is not sounding great.
2: <laughs> All right, what about now? You sound okay to me now. You yeah, you it.
3: sound good to me. So,
2: okay, I think we had a bad connection at first, and then it straightened up because I got that weird boop boop noise uh, at the beginning that indicates. Yeah, and that- I think
3: one of the one of the ports on my laptop was bad, so I had to plug my head my headphones into a different port. You were coming through just. On on the laptop speakers and not my headphones, ah. which would make a really weird podcast. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> yeah, and I'm would recording now, by the way.
2: Okay. Well,
3: One, dude. two, three.
2: Thank you. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, you being on speakers is bad enough because I still have to go in and like... Like right now where I'm talking, I'm going to have to go in and highlight this section of me talking and explaining to you what it is that I have to do. And Uh then select your tracks and highlight where you are sitting silently, particularly on your side of the recording, because you have your headphones up so goddamn loud, it gets picked up by your snowball. Really? Yeah. (laughs)
3: Let me lower my my volume then. Hold on. (laughs)
2: Uh, yeah, okay. Um all right. As yeah, long as you talk to me. Okay. As long as you can hear me, you don't have to have it up like full blast. I know your hearing's a little off and iffy and like loud is just your default state for everything.
3: Yeah, I mean that's not wrong. Uh,
2: <laughs> you, you inherited I, it honestly though. You know, it's not really your fault and I yeah. I'm not blaming there, you for I'm it. sorry. Now things should be should
3: be coming through. Okay, there we go. That should be better.
2: <laughs> it's really weird. I've noticed it in the last like I want to say like 6 months that we've been recording, I've noticed that I've had to go in and do that and highlight a section where I'm talking and you're not.
3: I'm getting fucking old, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs>
2: Alright, I haven't downloaded the clips yet because I just got down here, so I'm going to do that real quick. If it'll fucking let me, it'll be fine. For some reason, my particular Chrome browser is fucked. And it just... Chrome Chrome, and Apple just don't work at all. Just, they're, not,
3: they're not good for one another.
2: No, and I use, I, like I said, I still use Chrome, but there are certain things like sometimes it'll download and everything will be fine. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I can't fucking upload. It's the it's the backend API shit of like uploading and downloading files and that stuff that yeah. for some reason the Chrome browser and fucking Apple products are not friends. I don't know why. You you think they would want to do that.
3: I love what I'm changing uh, because like really none of our work shit works on Microsoft Edge really well. So we usually set people up on Chrome and you go to change the default browser and Microsoft gets all bitchy at you and goes, are you sure you don't want to experience this brand new awesome browser? You're like, yeah, I'm pretty fucking positive, asshole.
2: Well, here's, okay, case point, perfect. Uh, Chrome told me that I downloaded the clips and that it was done. And then I checked my yeah. download folders that it said it downloaded to and guess where it wasn't.
3: Oh, it wasn't in there, motherfucker.
2: Yeah, and it may be because I'm using older Macs that are shit, I will... Uh, you know i will definitely concede that but it is what it is
3: it was what it was
2: yeah i think i'll have enough time to download the clips and get them put in place while we do the start of the show so let's just fucking start this you did autopsy from 1975 right yes all right well at least we have that going for us here we go let's fucking start the show <laughs> shit whoops i fucked up i fucked up i fucked up i copied all the music over and i got it all arranged and i had it all set and ready to go and then nope didn't fucking put it in here we go three two one do we ever stuff. get an answer as to what that fucking was supposed to mean? Because I don't remember getting one. Where, uh, where he's the, killed Ube a lot killed, of people. Uh,
3: the, that he killed the 12 people in his race car wreck.
2: Okay, so he's the one that killed... Okay, gotcha. Yeah,
3: he's I the race car guy.
2: Right, So, but um, he's just losing his fucking mind, but we don't... He
3: just moves that he lost his shit because he qu-
2: killed 12 people. How obvious did the movie make it that he was the race car driver? Pretty obvious. The priest.
3: Uh, the way he drove uh, when when he you know when he picked her up, all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they were hinting at it and everything the, the whole way through. But did they ever come right out and say it?
3: Yes, I think so. Later on, when they talk about ways that he could help her father to be able to communicate after his accident.
2: Okay, yes. Now, okay, yeah. Sorry, it's just a fucking long day when yeah. I, when I No, it I
3: get that. you, man. Yeah. I get you. Yeah, yeah. I had to think about it, too. I'm like, I thought they did, but you know what? What the fuck do I know at any point in
2: time? Okay, in yeah. That, that shit's all coming back to me now, but there's so much other stuff in this movie that that subplot, like, totally just went by the wayside, if you know what I mean.
3: Oh, yeah. I got you. Okay. I understand totally.
2: Yeah, let's, we'll um, just, we'll outtakes this conversation, and I'll remove all the stuff where I'm confused and move it to the outtakes. It's fine. I'm sorry.
3: The, nope, not a problem. She then later on meets her dad's ex, the lady who was wearing the red wig, uh, you know, that made her, was like, hey, okay, so this is uh, an idea uh, that uh, maybe my dad's caused. Uh, and um, oh, I got fucking lost again. Hold on. Jesus Christ. Um, all right. Three, two, one.
2: See, I don't feel you that don't bad like about it. forgetting that entirety of that car racing plotline for the priest because of all of this shit. Like, clearly kept that fresh in my mind over again. Run
3: well, their own towns. personal barter towns around here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's not the worst, but it's also not the best I've ever done yeah. for a segue. Yeah,
3: you know what, though, it's, good enough. it's it, good enough. We did really good on this review. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't think anybody should be judged on. This. Are you? St- are you still recording? <laughs> I am not now.